I'm excited today to open up a profile of each personality. Sometime probably this week or this coming weekend or on Thursday, we'll spend time with family. And as we look at trying to build a firm foundation in the home with the house of cards, this one here will be the one that will make or break your house. Partially because you have a choice and I have a choice to make. Am I uniquely made in my personality? Is it the only one that God wants? Or has God created us all differently in so much that we have to live in harmony with each other? All of us were born with a disposition. All of us were born with a, a, a personality profile. And for some of us, um, we think that our personality is the right personality or the way we think is the right way to think. And so today we're going to challenge that against Scripture. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, as I've been asking the Holy Spirit to do the same for me, is to take the way that he has uniquely made me and to live out in such a way that it brings him glory and to live in harmony with others. There are basically four personality profiles that we'll talk about today. This is probably one of those days, and hopefully it is every week, that you'll want to take some notes because there's a lot of information. And, and you'll walk away and, and have to ask the Holy Spirit to... Um, prod you and convict you and show you uh, what and the ways that you're living out your personality. Is it in a godly way or an ungodly way? There are basically four personality profiles. There's the choleric, which Gary Smalley has done great work, and I relied heavily on him this week and, and on any other resources from seminary and training and my own resources and many other men that understand these things a lot better than I do. And I, I do have some study in this area, so it's intriguing for me, even as I develop teams, to I'm constantly looking at these kind of things. But the first personality or one personality trait is choleric. It's the lion. It's the, the take charge kind of personality that God has made. Another personality makeup is sanguine. It's the otter, the animal, the otter. It's like the, 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 the playful one, uh, always wanting to have fun, and otters are kind of that way. They, they, they're very playful. The other personality that we'll address today is phlegmatic. It's the golden retriever. It's the, the dog, the loyal uh, one, that, um, that, uh, that, the peacemaker. The melancholic is not melancholy. That's a disposition. That means you're sad or depressed. But the melancholic is the beaver, the busy beaver, the detailed kind of personality. Like they have Excel sheets and, and they, they, they print it all out. And so when you put these four different kinds of personalities, and I'm going to break them all down, there can be some conflict if we think that our way of thinking is the best way of thinking. Let me show you what I'm talking about with this video of these four personalities coming together and working together. Take a look at this video. I'm laying on the ground and I can't move and he's radioing back to base and I'm just, I'm just saying, look, look man, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they were all dead when I got there. Okay, all right, uh, the ice has been broken. Um, did everyone finish their personality inventory profiles? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great, grab a headband on the table here uh, to reveal your personality type. Mm. That's right, wrap it around. Feel it defining you. Are the headbands really necessary? Oh, I totally knew you were a melancholy. What is that supposed to mean? Well, last week uh, at the Mission House, remember painting in the basement? Yeah, I remember it exactly. Hey, that's really good. You are a real artist. Oh, I dabble. You should have been in charge of painting all the rooms. Yeah. Hold on. There. You know, the essence of the artist is perfection. Wow. That is really wise. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure you're remembering it quite right. Hey, that looks good. Thanks. I've been working on it for three days. Yeah, about that. Um, do you think you could maybe shift focus? I mean, we've got a lot of walls to cover. The essence of the artist is perfection. Just repeating that does not make it a saying. And we could use some of that perfection in the living room. Right, so you hate my painting and I'm ugly. Well, we don't hate your painting. So I'm ugly? <laughs> that went well. Mm. Just that I worked so hard. I felt underappreciated. You always feel underappreciated. You're melancholic. Well, maybe it'd be easier if you weren't so bossy. What are you talking about? I'm choleric. I'm like the best leader there is. All right, everybody, we're looking great. We're off to a great start. 
Catherine, you want to run this out to the kitchen, please? Great job keeping everyone in line. You're really organized. It's my gift. Cindy, you missed a spot. <laughs> We'd be lost without you. Thanks to you, everyone knows their place. That's absolutely right. <laughs> Get back to work. Yeah, not so much. Remember, long, smooth strokes. Not like what you did earlier downstairs, okay? Long and smooth, remember. Hey, get to work, it's time. My cat's at the vet. Don't waste your money on vets. Cats cost like 45 bucks. We'll be out of here by 3.30, you can get home by four, save yourself 100 bucks, get a new cat, better but, one. But Nope, nope, dog's gone, problem solved, go. What'd I say, Jansen? Long and smooth, long and smooth, long and smooth. Let's get this covered. Hey. I solved your problem. Zigzags get the best coverage. Hey, at least we got the project done. No, we didn't. And whose fault was that, Miss Sanguine? What, me? Hey, great job. It looks so good. Thanks for all your hard work. Hey, thanks. No problem. That's why you're my best friend. Really? That means a lot. Yeah, I mean it. You are amazing and beautiful. And everyone remind you who? So you who's here and we're together again We're just having fun with our best friends And you who's here and we're together again Forever with our best friends And you who's here and we're together again We're just having fun with our best friends And you who's here and we're together again Forever with our best friends close to reality. Hey everyone, I brought Yoo-Hoo! Hi! You were supposed to be here six hours ago. Oh, funny story about that. So I had to send some tweets and then I decided we needed Yoo-Hoo, but then I couldn't find any and then I had to drive all the way to Wisconsin, but then I found it. It was hilarious. Well, no, it's not because we needed you to pick up paint supplies and we had to go to the neighborhood place and pay four times as much. And also, no one likes Yoo-Hoo. Since when? You really let us down. That really hurts. You're my best friend. Really? Wait, yesterday you told me I was your best friend, which is weird because you're married. Well, what really matters is that we're all together. Actually, Taggarty locked herself in the bathroom and hasn't come out yet. Wait, which one's Taggarty again? Ugh, this is really awful. I don't remember any of that. Of course not. Well, I don't know, you guys. The day seemed to go pretty good from my perspective. Of course it did. You're phlegmatic. Everything's okay to you. Hey, watch it there, Butterfingers. I know, right? So, how do you guys remember that one? Hey, watch it there, Butterfingers. I know, right? Wait. That wasn't right at all. Hey, chill out guys, don't worry about it. The lesson here is that every personality type has strengths and weaknesses, and we should work hard to complement one another. Well, that's it. Uh, take a cookie on your way out. Wait, that's it? It's only been seven minutes. Well, that's my sorbaric personality type. That's not even one of them. Yeah, but Designing Woman is on, so goodbye. Alright, we're all different. Let's, let's get that one down. And we're uniquely different, but we can't force our thinking on other people, and we can't force our personalities on other people. And so today we're going to go on a journey, and we're going to unpack the differences in our personalities. And to be quite frank, all of us probably have some areas that we've gotten into bad patterns, thinking ours is the best way, or that ours should be the best way. Even as I look at my own family, unpacking my children and my wife. Uh, I'm choleric, uh, I'm, I'm, as if you didn't probably already know that. Um, my staff says that I'm choleric squared. Um, um, my son Isaiah is sanguine, he's the otter. My wife Anne is phlegmatic, and my daughter Hannah is phlegmatic, and my son Josh is melancholic. And so we all have a primary personality profile. We also have a secondary profile that surfaces. 
And while all these personalities are different, we must learn to live in such a way where there's harmony and not disunity. And so all of you will be walking into settings this coming week with family and friends where your personality traits and the way that you think will impact them and the way that they say things will impact you. And we have decisions to make. Will we live to the redeemed potential that God has created us at? Or will we let these bad ruts of thinking that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2 divide and destroy? Grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's just begin there, Ephesians chapter 2. And let's just see what what God has to say about us as individuals. If you need a a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 10 to kind of set up this message today. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. And when you find Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to read this verse as the foundation for how God has created us, and the differences that he's created us with. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Let's read this uh, together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ready? Read. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's read that again. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You may have a seat. Some translations have, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's greatest piece of art. So when he created us, he saw us as a masterpiece. It says that we are. It doesn't say that we, we long to be or we hope to be. It says that we are God's masterpiece. And so the way he uniquely created us is the way that he thought was best for you. And this text also says he's created us to do works which he has already prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, you and I have this path that God has charted out for us, and he's created us to do good works along that path that he has already put out in advance. So when we walk in the will of God and we walk in, in tune with the Spirit and step with the Spirit, we will become the people that Christ intended us to be. We will do the works that Christ has intended us to do. And when we walk with him and he is with us, he has already created all these things with our personality events, with our skills, abilities, talents, and gifts to do these things. And so So our desire should be to do what Christ has already put out in advance. Like he says, I already mapped it out. Now go do it. Our desire is to live in such a way that we're living out our our life, our, our personality profile, our skills and abilities and talents in such a way that they line up with God's original intent for us. In other words, live to our redemptive potential so that we fulfill this masterpiece that God has designed. Let me just pause there and think about it. You and I should never desire to be someone else. But in a world that we live in, we begin to compare ourselves and classify ourselves against others. Paul talks about in Corinthians. Yet he says, don't do that. If we ever get to a point where we begin to do that, what we're saying is, God, I don't like the way you created me. God, I don't like this personality profile that you created me with. God, I want to be someone else. When in reality, the way he created is perfect. He created us. This is how I created you. Now go be that person to the fullest capacity possible. When we finally settle on that issue, instead of living our lives trying to be like someone else, we live to our redeemed potential. So you have the cleric, which is the lion. You have the the sanguine, which is the otter. You have the phlegmatic, which is the golden retriever. You have the melancholic, which is the beaver. So all across this room and all the families and all the workplaces and all the teachers and all the coaches and all the people in your neighborhood, your children all have a personality profile that God has perfectly said, this is a masterpiece. Now go become the masterpiece that I've created you to become. And so we respond according to our personality profiles. Let me give you a for instance to kind of set this up, to kind of give you an example. Suppose that you are on a a journey. You're out on a safari. You're going through a jungle, and there's a group of people, and all four personality profiles are represented there. And so you have a starting point, and you have an ending point. And so you've packed for this journey. It might take you days. It might take you weeks, and you don't know exactly what's out in front of you. But the goal is to get to the finish line. 
And so as you go on day after day, the third or fourth day, you come to this cliff. And as you come to this cliff, you look down and there's this large body of water. And the only way you can get to the finish line is that you must find a way to get across this water. And so in order for you to finish, the water is your obstacle. The water is your barrier. The water is your hurdle. And you've been called to finish the task at hand and to finish this journey. And so all four personalities walk to this cliff. And because they've been wired in such a way that's different than each other, they process and think differently. So a choleric walks up to the cliff. He sees the water. He sees the goal is to finish the race. The cleric says, I'm jumping. Bam, jumps in. Just jumps in. Hey, I'm supposed to finish. I'm jumping in. Let's go. And so cleric doesn't think a whole bunch about it. Just knows, hey, someone else must have done it before. If they did it, I can do it. Jump. They're the first ones in the water. They're the early adopters. They just jump in the water. So you have the the sanguine. They're coming up to this same cliff. It's the otter. It's the, it's the playful one. We're going to unpack these. They're standing at this cliff. They're looking at it. And all of a sudden, their personality is a lot different. They're the, they're, they're the ones that says, all right, everyone hold hands. Let's jump together. And so they, they, they jump together. They jump down in this water. Let's do life together. And so they jump in the water. The next personality profile that walks up is the phlegmatic. He, he is the, the golden retriever. And, and so as the, they think through this, they're the peacemakers. They want to include everybody. And, and, and so they process differently. And so they're, they're consistent. So they see this cliff. They walk up to it. And they, they walk down there. And they say, oh, we've got to make sure that no one's down there before we jump. Anybody down there? We don't want to hurt anybody. And so they just jump. All right, I'm coming. And they jump in the water and swim to the other side. And they get to the other side. It's okay now if everyone else jumps. And meanwhile, all the clerics are just boom, 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 jumping in all around them. Then you have the melancholic. The melancholic is the busy beaver. Not melancholy, sad or depressed. Melancholic, the busy beaver. They're there and they're looking at this and, and they're, they're seeing this. And, and, and so they walk up and they see it and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't even jump. Don't jump. This is the proper way to jump. And so they pull out and they pull out this Excel spreadsheet. There it is. All right, everyone line up. Here's how you jump. (laughs) And then they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got more information. I got more details. Let me show you on YouTube. And so they pull out this, this telephone that has satellite. And they say, watch, this is how you jump. Make sure you jump correctly. Can you see the differences in the personalities? All of them are beautiful. God says they're a masterpiece. Yet if they're led in an ungodly way, There's weaknesses to them. Well, let's explain the choleric, by the way. Here are some characteristics about choleric lion personalities. A choleric likes to lead. They're very good at making decisions quickly. And they're very goal-oriented. If you've ever met a cleric, they'll show you these goals. Like, these are the goals for my family. These are the goals for my life. These are the goals for my business. This is the goals for my team. This is where I think God wants us to go. And they have this list of goals, and they're very goal-oriented. And they are a take-charge kind of person. They are very rattled in a setting. If they're sitting in a room and no one's taking the lead, it, they become unglued. And so they just stand up. They surf and said, no one else is taking the lead. I'm taking the lead. A cleric likes to lead. They, they, they enjoy challenges. A cleric enjoys challenges. They enjoy difficult assignments. And they want opportunities for advancement. And so a cleric personality looks at something, sees something, and says, hey, this is challenging. I'm in. Let's try. They're the first ones to jump. They're the first ones to take on this difficult assignment. And not only the difficult assignment, it refreshes them and refuels them to do something that's never been done before. They can be very aggressive. They can be very competitive. And it's their nature to be competitive. And so if you take another personality trait, especially a phlegmatic, if you take a phlegmatic and you put them beside a choleric, there can be tension because a phlegmatic can look at a situation and says, oh, just I hope everyone tries. At least everyone tried. Isn't it good that everyone tried? And you bring the the cleric along. No, we're going to win this thing. And I'm going to win it now, and I'm going to show you how to win it. Try. That's for losers. Can you see the differences in the personalities? And so a cleric is competitive. By the way, there's nothing wrong with being competitive. That's how God has made you. 
But another personality group might look at that and says, well, I can't believe she's so competitive. Why does she always want to win? A choleric takes charge. But they must learn not to be too bossy. Or they'll take the weakness, the sinful side of that personality trait, and drive people away. Their strengths of a choleric. They're goal-oriented, they're strong, and they're direct. Like they can see a situation, they're not afraid to say something like this. You're not going to like me very much, but this is the truth. That's a personality trait of a choleric. God has made them that way. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but if you don't think that way, your impression upon that personality would say, I can't believe she thinks like that. There's got to be something wrong with it. Because you don't think that way, you think that they shouldn't think that way. So can you see what happens in, in a family or a relationship or a workplace when you assume that your way of thinking is the correct way to think? There are weaknesses. They can be argumentative or too dictatorial. There are limitations. Doesn't know that directness can hurt others. Have you ever watched... Uh, uh, Shark Tank on TV. Have you ever watched Mr. Wonderful speak? Like, he is, like, rude. He has taken it south. Look, look, Josh and I love watching that. We love watching these products that come on, and we watch the show, and he's got an entrepreneur mind, and I kind of have one, too, and I love... Darren, you would love this, by the way, Shark Tank. I could see you coming on there with your products. But in any case, Mr. Wonderful is the guy in the middle, and he is a cleric to the T, but he takes it south. I heard the other night this lady came out, and she had this great idea. It doesn't matter what the idea was, but she said, she said, I have this dream. I have this dream to see this product used across the world, and she explained it. And so at the end, Mr. Wonderful says, he looks at her, and he says, not, it's not a dream. He said, it's a nightmare. And no one will ever buy that product. Can you leave? Get out of here. It's like, she went, he went south. He took his cleric personality and used it in such a way that hurt someone. Let me say this again. At their best, a cleric can change the world and rally troops to do so. At his worst or her worst, she or he can run over people in the climb to get to the top. His main or her main characteristic is the driver. Like, they got to be driving the mission. Like, in fact, you will never see, or I would say never, rarely see a choleric personality if it's a man let his wife drive the vehicle. Just doesn't happen. But if you have a phlegmatic and you're a male, hey, baby, you want to drive? Go ahead. Let's all drive together. Let's just, it's like, it's just, there's no way a choleric can ever sit in the passenger seat of a vehicle and not be in charge. Just can't happen. Not one is better than the other. It is worse if, if you allow it to be led in a sinful way. So his main characteristic is driver behind the project. He or she has the ability to create it in their mind, give you a goal sheet, and be the first one to jump in. It's very hard for a cleric not to be the first one to jump in. His or her primary need is to win. Like, hey, Someone's got to win. Second place is, is the first loser. I mean, if we're competing, let's compete. Let's give our best. Hey, the goal here, that's why they got a scoreboard, isn't it? Scoreboard, see the scoreboard? If they didn't want us to win, it's, the, it's, the, it's your child that's in T-ball, like your son or daughter that's in T-ball. Let, let's, oh, let's have everyone win. Don't keep score. Like, why do we want to keep score? This is only T-ball. Your choleric son or daughter comes home and says, hey, we won 17 to 16. I had three hits, had seven putouts, and we won. I want to let you know, even though it didn't keep score, we won. That's your choleric child. Meanwhile, the phlegmatic says, oh, wasn't it fun? We were to play. We got to play together. Who cares who won? Let's live at peace. Hey, come over to my house and we'll celebrate. When it comes to time, the cleric says, now is the time. Like, why are we going to have another meeting? Like, you're telling me we got to wait till Tuesday of the next month on the following Saturday before we make a decision. Let's make a decision. Time is now. We could die tonight. Rapture could occur. Go. A cleric says, if not us, then who? We need to do it right now. The downside is they can be too aggressive. When it comes to authority... Clerics would say, rulers rule. Now, in a godly way, that's good. But in an ungodly way, you can see where that can go south. 
when it comes to people, a cleric sees them as a means to an end. So here's what a cleric does. They grab the right people, put them around the table. They're constantly watching people, and they say, wow, he's gifted in that. Wow, I'm going to hire someone that's a lot stronger than me in this area. A cleric can, can make a quick decisions about people, put them on their team, and they can make strong teams so that the team wins whatever they're doing. That's a cleric personality. So the south side of that is you just use people to get what you want. The second personality that we'll address today is the sanguine. This is the otter. When I went bear hunting with Sam Armington in Alaska three years ago, we got in a boat and we would glass the shorelines because bears were coming out of hibernation and we would look for bear. And so you would glass and look for a bear. And once you saw a bear, you would take the boat to the shoreline and then you would stalk. We didn't use baited cans. We would stalk and then we would try to shoot the bear. While we were out in this Alaskan bay, which was incredible, we had bald eagles flying everywhere. We saw killer whales as we were getting to this place. But there were otters all around us. Like, and they're playful. They just, they're on their backs. And it's the child that gets in the water and and blows and squirts water out of their mouth. And just on their back, just picture them like, and these otters were the same way. Otters are very playful personality. They're, They're very social. They just love people. They enjoy being popular and influencing others. They can often be hurt when others don't like them. This is the child that comes home and says, they said this about me. Like, I can't believe they said it about me. I thought we, I really liked them. I thought they liked me. And the cleric brother and sister says, get over it. People will hate you. They usually have lots of friends, but not deep relationships. They love to goof off. In fact, if you have a sanguine otter in your home as a child, they are notorious for messy rooms. They like to hurry and finish jobs, and the jobs are often not done well. And you know why? Because you just think about it. Now think about the melancholic who, who wants perfection, like get it done right. And then you put that in a group on a team or a sports team. You got melancholic and then you bring the sanguine and says, hey, afterwards at five o'clock, come over to my house and we'll have pizza. And so they're just kind of working their way through practice, trying to have fun. And the melancholics, no, do it right. Here's how you do it. And so you bring these different personalities together. And if they go south, you can see how they're competing against each other. So, a sanguine, if you have a child, they hurry up and get it done. They're sloppy. Their handwriting is sloppy. They don't care. Just get it done. And it doesn't have anything to do with IQ. They might be, have the highest IQ of all your kids. Yet, they want to get done so they can go outside and play ball with their neighbors. They want to get done because they want to go tweet and talk and Snapchat with their friends. They're very social. Can you see how these personalities can begin to clash if they go south? Their strengths, though, they're people persons. They're open, they're positive. They're your best first impressions people of your business, of your school, of your home. They're the ones that should answer the phone at your house. Hey, how you doing? Glad you called. They're the people you put at the doors of your churches, and they're friendly, they're upbeat. Like, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, they got a smile on their face. The weakness, though, of a sanguine They talk too much, and they're too permissive. Their limitations, remembering their past commitments, follow through with discipline. It's very difficult for an otter, for a sanguine, to live on mission and discipline regularly. They have to work extra hard at finishing projects. They have to work very hard at checking off lists. Because they want to build friends in this process. And if someone says, hey, come over tonight, let's, and they're in the midst of doing something, okay, I'll be right over. They're the ones that start a diet, but someone says, let's go for ice cream. They'll say, oh, I'll start next week then. That is so true, too. And then you have the clerics like, what? <laughs> We're in the wind this thing. And then, and, then, and then you have the melancholic pulls out, this is how you do it. Their main characteristic is they're expressive. Their main need is, let's just have fun. 
Their downside is impulsiveness. It's hard to keep a sanguine on track. It's hard to keep them to finish something. And they're very impulsive. Okay, let's go. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, okay, we're going to have fun. Oh, man, go. They're the students that call home about the third week of college and that your parents ask them, hey, how are grades going? I don't know, but man, I'm having fun, Mom. I'm having fun, Dad. When it comes to time, the sanguine is always late. I mean, they're always late. Like, they have no conscious, uh, they're not conscious of time. But once they show up, they are the life of the party. Like, and when you have a party, you, you, you always invite them. Because, you know, once they show up, it's going to be a good party. But you never know for certain if they're going to show up. Because they've been at another party before they came to that party. A sanguine, when it comes to authority, says majority rules. Like, not rulers rule, like the cleric, majority rules. Well, let's take a vote. Let's just take a vote then. Let's make sure that we have a vote. Let's make sure the majority rules here. When it comes to people problems, this personality is often a people pleaser. And you can see where that can go south. Instead of pleasing God... They make decisions based upon, well, if I make this decision, that might hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Like, they might get mad and they might leave. Like, I don't want this and I don't want that. Like, and so if, if they allow this to go south, they become a people pleaser and fall short of the redeemed potential that Christ has created them to be. The flag, phlegmatic is the golden retriever. And when you think of a golden retriever, you think of someone that's good at making friends. They're very loyal, as dogs are. By the way, generally speaking, phlegmatics own dogs. They love dogs. And probably has a golden retriever, too. A phlegmatic doesn't like big changes. And will settle in for a long time doing something. Like, if you have a phlegmatic in the workplace or in a school, these are the people that work at the same place for 175 years. Listen, nothing wrong with that personality if that's what God has called him to. That's the beauty in it. But if God has called you elsewhere, a phlegmatic isn't open to change, doesn't like change, likes to settle in, likes to be consistent. They're very caring. They can be very sensitive. They have deep relationships, but only a few deep friends. The phlegmatic wants to be loved by everyone. They look for appreciation. They work best in steady work patterns. They're your peacemakers. They're great small group leaders, but it's very difficult for them to divide their small group up. They want to stay intact with this small group. And so when Pastor Mike comes and says, hey, we need you to divide to build other small groups, oh, we can't do that. They like consistency, and so they're consistent. They want the same thing over and over again. They're the peacemakers in the group. And so their personalities surface in team roles. They're best working in a team. Not where he has or she has to be put in charge and calling all the shots. Phlegmatics are your best teammates. You'll rarely find them as the lead person. Listen, there's nothing wrong with one being the leader and one being the associate coming alongside. They're the teammates that keep the unit together. They hold it together. But they don't, they're not equipped and made, generally speaking, to lead large groups and to, be the, to lead out front. They're the associates that you bring alongside to make everyone strong and to make sure everyone is cared for. They are peacemakers to the core, and you can see what happens if that goes south. They're always concerned about doing things that might hurt someone. Well, we can't do that, and if we do that, then that means this family member, this teammate will be hurt. So... It's difficult for them to make decisions that causes someone else to be dropped off of the team. The cleric, by the way, says, hey, you went out for basketball. Someone got cut. Someone didn't get cut. So you take these personalities together. Their strengths, they're accommodating. They're calm, and they're affirming. My wife and my daughter are, are phlegmatics, and they live it out well. 
So when you spend time with them or you spend time with the phlegmatic, it's like you feel calm. It's like my wife Ann, even our home, it's a place of refuge. When I come home, she has done a great job of making our home a calm place of refuge. She knows that throughout the day or throughout the week, I'm go, 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 go. When I come home, she's affirming. She, she brings out the best. She's accommodating. Phlegmatics are hospitable. Their weaknesses, they can be very indecisive. They can even be indifferent and often too soft on people. A phlegmatic can be often too soft, can allow too much. Like, it's like, hey, let's give them another chance. Well, that's like the 35th time we've given them a chance. Yeah, but we still need them around. It's very difficult for a phlegmatic to make a hard call because of relationship. Their limitation, seeing the need to be more assertive, holding others accountable. And so, like I said earlier, a phlegmatic will say, let's create systems where at least everyone gets a chance to try. Like, God wants us all to try, and that's good enough. You put another personality beside that, you put a cleric beside that. No, God has equipped us to be winners. No, God just wants us to try. Everyone's trying, like, And so the personality clash can unpack there. A phlegmatic doesn't like to be parts of groups that everyone can't finish it. Because they want to be inclusive of everybody. When it comes to their main characteristic, you have driver for choleric. And you have, for, for phlegmatic, the main characteristic is friendly. Some of the most friendly people you'll ever meet. His need or her need, though, is safe. Create safe environments. I want to be in an environment that I'm familiar with. They won't be your first one to jump into the idea. They like routine, consistency. And they want to make sure everyone else is aware of all that's happening around them. Their downside, a, a phlegmatic can be passive. When it comes to time, a phlegmatic will say, tomorrow, let's, all right, let's, we'll take care of it tomorrow. Let's, let's take care of it tomorrow. When it comes to authority, order rules. Make sure there's order in this organization. Make sure there's order. Make sure it's consistent order, but order rules. They want to make sure everyone is okay. When it comes to people, A phlegmatic will say, not worth the effort because some will be left behind. So it's very difficult for a phlegmatic to start something new that doesn't include everybody. Like, we got to have everybody in this. The melancholic is the beaver, the busy beaver. They're often very organized They think there's a right way to do everything, and they want to do it that exact way. Like, and by the way, they'll tell you the exact way to do it. They're very creative. They desire to solve everything. They'll spend hours and hours and hours on one project to perfect it. They are the perfect people, perfection-oriented people in our world. They're the kids that you have that they'll stay on that project and they'll get it down to the T and they'll, if they don't like it, they'll throw it down and start over and, and you're trying to say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's got to be public. They desire to take their time and do it right. They will spreadsheet and Excel everything. In fact, they're the ones that have invented Excel. They, they, they know how to operate it. Like, if you have a question about Excel, just call up and ask a melancholic. They'll show you how to do it. Like, they can do it like this with their head behind. Just, here it is. They don't like sudden changes. They need reassurance. Your melancholic are your best artists, engineers, accountants, scientists, doctors. Their strengths are high standards. They love order and respect. Their weakness, they have unrealistic expectation of self and others. 
They're just too perfect. So picture this for a second. Picture the sanguine walking into the room where a melancholic is at work. The sanguine is, let's hurry up and get this done so we can go play. And so he's like hanging over top of the melancholic. Are you done yet? Are you finished? Can't we just put this away? That's good enough. No, it isn't. Their weakness, unrealistic expectation of self and others. Their limitations, seeing the optimistic side of things and expressing flexibility. Your melancholic are some of the most inflexible people that you'll ever meet when it goes south. They'll tell you all the reasons why they can't do it. They want to do it themselves. And they want to do it in a perfect way. And it takes them much longer to do projects. Even in that opening video, remember the lady who was painting? She's like, look at this. And she had her, her paintbrush out, and it was like a phrase this long, and she was so happy with it. And, and then the other personalities came in and said, but you've been working at it for three days. But the main characteristic is that they're analytic. Their main need is precision. The downside, they're negative. When it comes to time, they're punctual. In fact, they will be in the room 20 minutes before everyone else with the coffee pot on, and they have the spreadsheet up on the wall before you get there. Can you see the strength in that? There's great strengths in that. When it comes to authority, rules rule. That's the rule. We'll live by it. That's what the rule says. Then let's do what the rule says. People problems. They'll look at people and quickly analyze in their minds, that person's beyond help. Don't even bring them into the project. You see, every one of us has a primary personality profile and a secondary profile. And God loves all the differences. Let me give you another illustration. I heard Tim LaHaye. In fact, James McDonald said this recently too. I, I was listening to him. He had some stuff to say on this too, but he said this when it came to fire illustration. There's a fire in your neighborhood. House is burning down across the street from you. Now picture these four personality profiles seeing this fire, this house burning down. The choleric looks at the fire across the street and says, grab the garden hose. Let's go put this baby out. Like, he's dragging 50 feet of garden hose. He's hooking up. He's like, standing there. We don't need the fire department. We can do it. That's a cleric. He jumps in first. The sanguine looks at the fire across the street, thinks, oh, this could be fun. This would make a great bonfire. Grab some s'mores. Phlegmatic looks at this fire burning across the street and thinks to himself, I don't have to study this myself. I want to make sure no one gets hurt. So let's just stand here and think about it a while. And meanwhile, the melancholic looks at this fire burning across the streets. Oh, it's burning down. Let it go. <laughs> There's no hope. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 23, 7, And I love the King James translation, which I think is a good translation here. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, everything we do, everything that we act out comes from our thinking. So the decisions that you make and I make come from our thinking. As he thinks, he does. And so the decisions that you made this morning and you'll make tomorrow and you'll make in your workplaces and you'll make with your family are based upon what you think. But here's where it goes south. God has created us with a disposition from the foundation of the world that you and I were born with a way of thinking. And there can be four different ways of thinking. So a choleric, a sanguine, a phlegmatic, and a melancholic naturally think differently. And so when you and I see something with those four personalities, our thinking pattern is different. But when it goes south, it says something like this. I know the best way to think, and the way you're thinking doesn't make sense to me. So you're wrong. Instead of saying, Holy Spirit, what is the proper solution to this? 
it was interesting, uh, even uh, this week, as we're preparing for this message, we get together as a staff, and we talk about closing and, you know, get other ideas. And, and so I was in the room with uh, Jeremy at the time and Jeremiah. Jeremy is phlegmatic. Jeremiah is melancholic. Mike is sanguine. And I, and, and Andy is melancholic. And, and, and I am um, choleric. But the three of us were in the room, and we're talking about how to close this service. It was so, like we're sitting there, and I said, well, let's just do this. It makes sense. I mean, let's, let's just do this. Here it is. This will work. Jeremy says, we got to make sure we're consistent, though. If you say this during this, make sure you say that, too. Got to be consistent with this. And Jeremiah says, but don't forget, we need this detail, this detail. And I said, stop. Listen, guys. Listen to us. It was a great moment because it took all of us together, all of us together, to come with the conclusion of today. But that builds a healthy team. But when it isn't healthy is when we allow our thinking to be led by poor patterns and sinful patterns that are deep ruts in our mind. By the way, many of us have those. We've been thinking the same way for 20 years. And we've been thinking we're right for 20 years. Like this is the way to think. This, some of us haven't changed anything for 20 years. We just continue to do the same thing. This is the way I've always done it. And for some, you're getting the same result in a relationship and you're wondering, how come nothing is changing? Because you haven't changed your thinking. The patterns of our minds informs our actions. So we say things like this when they go south. I can't believe she operates that way. Like I talk to them and nothing changed. Then I'm out of here. Well, wait a minute. Maybe, just maybe, your way of thinking wasn't the proper way of thinking. And if we're not careful, we allow the weakness of our flesh to rule our thinking. We assume that we are right and the other person isn't. And if we can't change that person, we leave the job, we leave the community, we leave the project, we leave the team, we leave the church, because we think our way is the best way. When in reality, it might not be. In fact, it might be sinful pride to believe that you are the only one that's right about this. So here's what we do. We take the same us to a new situation, to a new team, to a new workplace. I don't like that boss. I can't believe he, he does this, he does that. This is the way he should do it. And so instead of pulling away and saying, maybe I should rethink And maybe I should allow the Holy Spirit that's been beating me up over this instead of shutting him down to rethink my thinking. What we do, we leave and we go to the next place. And you know what happens? If we don't correct our thinking to line it up with God's thinking, we get there and sooner or later, we're going to have the same problem with the same leader, with the same individual, and we keep taking the same us to the same place and we expect a different result. Listen, nothing's changing there. Sooner or later, your problem will surface again. I don't like that leader. I don't like the way she did that. Well, guess what? If you don't like it there and you haven't corrected your thinking and it's improper thinking, you go here, guess what's going to happen? Same issue. Same leader, same leadership issue. And you'll leave again. And by the way, here's how our personalities are wired. Some of you that are choleric, you've already Googled and took the, the personality test before I even got done this message. You already got it out, and you're like, yeah, I'm Clark. just want to let you know. And the sanguine, you're you're sitting here thinking, hey, can we just keep going? Hey, someone order pizza. Like, I love this stuff. We're we're all different, but let's just have a great time together. Don't worry about, bring the kids down with us. Like, let's just jump into the third service too. The phlegmatic, by the way, here's a phlegmatic. You're thinking, I'm going to have to study this by myself. By the way, this is true. If you're seated out here today, you're seated in the link, or you're listening on the, on the World Wide Web, and you're not sure what personality you are, like you're thinking, you know, I'm not sure what I am. Guess what? You're phlegmatic. <laughs> That's how you think. And the melancholic is asking right now, is it really okay to laugh about this? Like, we shouldn't be laughing about this. And by the way, he's already ready to tell you who you are. He's already figured it out. 
So, what does the Bible say about our thinking? Well, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where we need correction. In fact, all of us, including me. And by the way, my family has been so, has given me so much grace through the years. And I have learned so much from when they've come to me and said, you know what, Dad? You ought to rethink that. And they've really shaped me into being a better man of God, a better leader. My daughter and my sons and my wife have challenged me on on many occasions to think, you know what, Dad? Just because you think that way doesn't mean everyone else does. And I've learned a lot through my failures. I've learned a lot from my kids and my wife teaching me about how to care and understand other people. But Paul talks about our thinking. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 4. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension. One translation says lofty opinions that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. And so what Paul is saying, you and I, myself included, God has revealed many strongholds in my life. I had a great conversation with Jeremiah after this first service, and he said some really nice things that he's noticed in my life the last two or three years and when it comes to thinking and leading. But Paul is saying we need to demolish strongholds. In other words, we, we must put it out on the table and murder those strongholds. Like, picture, if you can, the, demolish. Like, taking these, this, this stinking thinking and throwing it out on the, just laying it out there and said, man, that is, that's sinful thinking. And the picture is taking TNT, throwing it into that thought pattern and just blowing it up. Just getting out your shotgun and murdering it. It's, it's, if we don't break these strongholds down in our lives where we think our way is the best way, or we somehow think that our way is the only way, or that everyone should do it our way, if we don't get out of these ruts that we've dug for 20, 30, 40 years, some of us, if we don't begin to think differently, we'll never live to our redeemed potential in Christ. So Paul says, if you won't and don't, It'll leave you far short of God's intention for your life. Pretensions are claims that you make as sovereign. Please hear me on this today if you hear nothing else. Your personality makeup can make claims on other personalities that, quite frankly, are sinful. Like, I can't believe she does that. Like, I spoke to them, and they didn't change. So... I can't believe that they don't. You know, Paul said this in Romans chapter 12 too, and I love the translation, the New Living Translation. Just listen to this. It says, don't copy behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, our lofty opinions or pride will begin to make claims about other people to make them more like you or even to get your way. We need all the types. Praise God for all the personality profiles. Then he says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means we must filter our thinking. I've gotten a lot better at it, and I've failed miserably. And hopefully you've gotten better too. A thought comes to you, someone says something, in the back of my mind back here it's like... And I'm thinking, filter, 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 filter. Filter, Jimmy, filter, 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 filter. Okay, God, but it would be so good right now to say this. We're supposed to take captive. In other words, we're supposed to, to punish it. We're supposed to put that thought in prison. That's the penalty for that thought. Throw away the key. And so we should have all these prisons that we've taken all these thoughts and kept captive. And so our lives should literally be a picture of all these prisons that we've thrown these ungodly thoughts in there, all these prideful thoughts, and, and demolish them, and then take TNT and blow them up. Because if we don't, those thoughts will destroy and will divide and conquer, and Satan will use them to tear up relationships. See, we all have strongholds. And the stronghold for a cleric is this. 
we must be successful. And his argument is, I have to win. And his pretension or lofty idea is, look at me, I'm so effective. The sanguine, their stronghold is, I got to be popular. Their argument, I have to make a splash. Their lofty opinion, look at me, I'm so influential. Look, look how many friends I have on Twitter or followers on Twitter. The phlegmatic stronghold, we got to be consistent. We got to stay the course. We can't change. Come on, we got to be inclusive. We got to make sure everyone's okay. Their argument, I have to make peace. Their lofty opinion, look at me. I never melt down. I'm calm, assuring. When I walk into the room, look at me. I'm not like him. The melancholic stronghold, I need to be right. And I'm going to show you that I'm right. There it is. Their argument, I have to be true to myself. This is what it is. I have to remain true to myself, and I'm going to show you that you're wrong. And here's why. Their lofty opinion, I am so credible and worthy of respect. (laughs) Look at me. Yet Paul says, strongholds will destroy your home. Strongholds will destroy a church. Strongholds will destroy your thanksgiving. Strongholds will destroy your marriage. Strongholds will form ungodly opinions about others. Strongholds will lead to gossip about others. Strongholds do not unify, they divide. Strongholds are so very entrenched in some of us that the enemy is using them and your personality profile to divide cities and workplaces and churches and teams and schools and communities. You see, for some of you, your arguments make sense to you until someone refutes them with the word of God and you have become so callous and entrenched in the ruts of your thinking that you can't even understand that you're wrong. So Paul says, we must punish every stronghold. We must beat it up. We must blow it up. We must throw it in prison. And only then will obedience And the person that God has created us to be surface from the carnage that we left behind. So let me ask you a couple questions. Where have you let sinful patterns of thinking destroy others? Who do you need to go to and say, I'm sorry? What has the Spirit of God convicted you with today? How are you falling short of what God has intended for you to be? Have you allowed stinking thinking to lead you on a path where someone else is reaping the destruction of your actions? You see, repentance breaks down strongholds and allows us to come back to level ground. That's why the psalmist said this in Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. Listen to these words. Search me, O God, And know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, help us today, please. Lord, I got to believe that all of us on some level have been challenged, have been affirmed, have been convicted. I pray, Lord, that we would be willing to do the right thing with what the Spirit is saying. I pray that we would dig some new trenches in our thinking and let you transform our thoughts. Please, God, renew our minds so that we can live in harmony and that we can advance the kingdom of God right up and through the gates of hell. Lord, do something with this in our hearts that needs to be done. Thank you for the differences. Thank you, God, that we aren't all the same. 
Thank you, God, for the way you created us a masterpiece, just like you wanted. Thank you for all the works that you prepared in advance for us. In Jesus' name, amen. See you next week. God bless you.